again it's a privilege to bring the word of God to you this morning and it is my prayer that God in his infinite mercy will meet each and every one of us at the point of our needs in Jesus name I want to thank our pastor for the opportunity and privilege even to be standing here I do not take it lightly and I pray that the Lord will continue to empower and strengthen his ministry in Jesus name let us pray Everlasting Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Father, because it's that time again, even to hear your word. Lord, we pray that in your infinite mercy, you will meet each and every one of us at the very point of our needs in Jesus' name. Let your word go forth expressly and heal every broken heart in the name of Jesus. Let your word, O Lord, direct us in the name of Jesus. And by the end of this session, O Lord, let's have the full cause to glorify your name. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Brethren, again, it's our month of growth. And so far in this month, by the grace of God, we have looked at the definition of growth. We have looked at the dimensions of growth. Now, we understand that man is a tripartite being. That is, as a human, you are first of all a spirit. Hallelujah. And this spirit has a soul, and they reside in a body. Amen. And over the course of the months, we've looked at how to grow or growing up spiritually. Okay? We've looked at growing up spiritually, and we've looked at, last week, the growth of your soul. We understand that the soul is that seat of intellectual ability. And by God's grace this morning, we will be taking it a step further, and I believe we all know what the next thing will be. Anybody? We've looked at spirits. We've looked at soul. What is the next one? The body. The body. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> so if you missed any of those series, please look on Facebook, or you can go to Spotify. We have a podcast. Listen to them, and you will be blessed in Jesus' name. So by God's grace this morning, I want us to consider the topic, Grow like Christ. Hallelujah. Grow like Christ. Can you echo it together? Grow. Amen. You know, in the past weeks, in our Bible study on Wednesday, we have been looking at discipleship, right? And, you know, in the course of the Bible study, we've said, oh, we are followers of Christ, so we need to live our life the way Christ lived his life. Amen. And we can see examples in scriptures that support that uh, position in terms of our spiritual life, in terms of our, our soul and intellectual or mental capacity. But can somebody tell me, uh, okay, it's not a Bible study. I wanted to ask a question. Amen. But in the Bible, there are very few references to Christ growing up. Okay? And yet we said grow like Christ. Okay? So let's look at our anchor text, Luke chapter 2, verse 40 to 42, and then we'll look at verse 51 to 52. If you have your Bible, I want you to open. It's on the screen, but you might not see it very boldly. Bible says in verse 40, and the child grew and became strong. And he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Every year, his parents went to Jerusalem 
for the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the feast. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured up all these things to, in her heart. Verse 52. Bible says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Praise the Lord. So we can look, if you look at that verse 52 clearly, we can see that Jesus grew as a child. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. He was delivered the same way every one of us was born. And Jesus began to grow from age zero to age one to age two and so on. And he started his ministry, as you can recall it, as Bible scholar at age 30. Now, for the first 30 years of his life, these verses that we have just read are the only place that you can see reference to Christ growing up. Amen. So there is no reference to the fact that, oh, Jesus Christ was playing with his friends. He ran up to the mountain and down, you know, he went to fresh water and things like that. There was nothing like that. And that tells you that the Bible is truly inspired by God. Because if it were you and I that, had, that wrote the Bible, you will fill in the gap with something. Amen. You will want to say, oh, I was there. I remember this young boy was very diligent and obedient. Imagine you ask, you ask somebody, maybe you have achieved something great, and they ask somebody to come and talk about you. And if the person is there when you were growing up, the person will make reference to when you used to maybe, okay, I grew up in Nigeria, roll tire from one corner of the street to another, saying that, oh, if they send you an errand, you will go and things like that. But Jesus, in his story from the scripture, we can see that not much was said, but there is so much we can learn even from the silence. Hallelujah. There is so much we can learn even from the silence. So Jesus grew bodily, maturing into a young uh, man. And if you look at the King James Version of that scripture, uh, in verse 52, Bible says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and with man. Now, the word, the Greek word for the increase that you can see there means keep advancing. Okay? That is the meaning of that uh, word increase. Keep advancing. So, essentially, we can see that Jesus continued to grow. Growth was a process that he continued to engage in even till the point of his death. And grew can be said to be enlarged, to be enlarged. And lastly, statue can be age, maturity, or times of life. So we can see from this scripture that indeed Jesus advanced in terms of age. Okay, Jesus was age 1, age 2, up to age 30, started his ministry, and we know that after three and a half years, Jesus uh, died on the cross of Calvary for you and I. So when we say growing like Christ, we can say, Growing in stature means developing physically and developing a reputation. Praise God. So Jesus grew in stature. We can say he grew up physically, but that was not all when Jesus Christ was growing up. He, in, his, in, in terms of physical um, appearance, we don't know what he looks like, 
But we know that he wasn't the same height as when he was age five. He grew into a full-body uh, young man. And we also know that as he was growing, there was a reputation that was growing with him. And somebody said, the boy grew into youth and the young man into adulthood. That is the part of the developing physically. In terms of building or developing a reputation, we can say, and in his, and his purity and lowliness and unselfish sympathy drew even then the hearts of all men. So when we are growing physically, you can become taller, you can become fatter, you can take any form of physical shape. But that is not all when we talk about developing or grow in the physical body. There is the aspect of purity. There is the aspect of lowliness. There is this aspect of unselfish sympathy that we must grow in as Christians. So for 30 odd years, Jesus was growing in silence. You know, remember, I know some of us, we know the story of that bamboo tree. The bamboo tree for the first five years, if you pl after planting it for five years, it appears nothing is happening. But at the fifth year, within a couple of, uh, just a month, it can grow as tall as 90 feet. So for the first five years, it appears nothing is happening. That was the same thing in the life of Jesus. For a ministry of three and a half years, Jesus was preparing for 30 years. I don't know what God has committed into your hand. How long have you been preparing? So many times we wonder, Jesus Christ came three and a half years. He did this and that. We are still remembering him here. But we most times forget that for three and a half years, he was preparing. For three and a half years, he was growing. So the question I want to ask you this morning, I understand that you are growing physically because none of us was giving birth to the way we are seated here today. But the question is, in which direction are you growing? In which direction are you growing? We know that plants tend to grow towards the sunlight. Okay? For those of us that did biology, we know photosynthesis, right? So for the plant to produce or to grow, it needs sunlight. And the, there is an experiment that says the plant stem will grow towards that source of sunlight because it needs the sunlight. So for you and I seated here, in which direction are you growing? What is pulling you? So as you advance in age, are you growing towards a healthy or an unhealthy lifestyle? As you advance in age, are you growing towards things that are of temporary values or things that are of eternal values? What is pulling you in your growth path? What is channeling or directing your growth? So physically, you are growing, yes. But that is not all. Jesus grew in terms of reputation. In what direction are you growing? So there are several instances where the Bible referenced our body in the scripture. But for this morning, I just want us to look at three key points in which or what Christ or the Bible says about our physical body. The first one is that our bodies must be kept pure. Let's say it together. 
our bodies must be kept pure. Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, meat for the belly and the belly for meat, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. So God has given us a body, and this body, he wants us to keep it pure. So your body, my body, is not for fornication. Your body, my body, is not for sexual immoralities. Your body, my body, is not for sexual impurities. Bible says, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. So it is possible for a body to be taken over completely by sin. But God is saying, according to Romans chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, that we should make our body instrument of righteousness. When you say instrument, that word instrument means weapon of righteousness. By the time we yield our body, our eyes, to sin, then that eyes become a weapon in the hand of the devil. By the time you yield your hand, your body, to sin, sexual sin, for example, that body becomes the instrument of the devil. God has given you a body. He has given me a body. But that body is said is meant to be kept pure. We live in a day and age where everything goes. Okay? But I want to tell you this morning that sexual intimacy is only permitted within the boundaries of marriage. No but, no if. And for those that engage in seeking sexual intimacy outside marriage, there are several consequences. We have instances of guilt and shame. If you know the story of Anom and Tamar, remember Pastor made reference to that a few weeks ago. Abnom said, oh, I love Tamar, I love my sister. But as soon as he gained carnal knowledge of her, that love became it, even much greater it. There are instances where the, 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 the pressure might be high on you. But once you give in to that pressure, that, that, that sexual uh, pure impurity outside the boundaries of marriage, what comes next? That guilt, that shame. Oh, I said I won't go down this line again. But why me? What happened again? There is a guilt and shame that comes when we yield our body to sexual impurity. Bible says in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 to 33. I'm reading from the easy to read version. It says, but a man who commits adultery is a fool. He brings about his own destruction. He will suffer disease and disgrace and never be free from the shame. This is the word of the Lord to us, applicable to male, applicable to female. Every satisfaction of sexual hurt outside the boundary of marriage. This is what the God, God, word of the Lord is saying. He says, this individual will suffer disease. We know there are several sexually transmitted diseases that kills and destroy the body. And the word of the Lord is saying that this individual will suffer disgrace and never free from the shame. First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 the word of the Lord says, run from sexual sin. 
No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one, as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Again, Proverbs chapter 7, 21 to 23. I'm reading from the Berean Study Bible. It says, with a great persuasion, she entices him and with her flattering, leaves she a lot, she loves him. He follows her on impulse. <laughs> like an ox going to be slaughtered, like a deer bounding into a trap until an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into his snare, not knowing it will cost him his life. That is the word of the Lord on sexual impurity, sexual immorality. It's a sin against the body and it leads to destruction. This is applicable to male, to female. The word of the Lord is saying, flee every form of sexual impurity. There are so many glorious destinies that have been destroyed at the lap of Delilah. Just like Samson. He was meant to deliver the children of Israel, but he died with the enemy. So the word of the Lord is coming to you this morning, that this body that God has given you, even as you grow, as you become mature, as you gain independence, that physical body must be to glorify God and must be kept in purity. Bible says in Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young man, how can a young woman keep his way pure? By keeping watch on himself according to your word, conforming his life to your precept. That's the amplified version. So to keep yourself pure, you need the word of God. The word of the Lord will become a light onto your path. It will become a source of illumination. It becomes that word that keeps you going even when the pressure to conform. Everybody is doing it. Why not me? But everybody is not going to the same destination as you. You have been called out. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. Kings don't do everything everybody does. You know, many of us are on Instagram, but if you follow some reality, you will see them. They will never eat outside. No matter how delicious that food is, they will never eat. Why? He's a king. And somebody will say, a lion, no matter how hungry he is, will never eat grass. Right? So we as Christians, we have been conditioned, we have been, we have been made or redeemed through Christ. That body that we now have, it is for the glory of God. It is not for satisfying few minutes of pleasure that leads to death and destruction. Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 12 verse 1 that we should present our body a living, holy, reasonable and acceptable sacrifice unto God. You have been redeemed. Your body is now a sacrifice. I remember going up in Nigeria. There are people who practice diabolic things. They, they take sacrifices to um, different places. One of the things that they will never do is that they will never sacrifice a defective animal. Okay? And I grew up in a, in a Muslim denominated area. And in those times, when it's time for their um, 
celebration, they buy rams. And then the children will go with the ram to fight. You know, there's this competition that they used to do. And if that ram becomes injured, it will not be used for their um, celebration because it's already defied. We as Christians, we are that living sacrifice. If our life is defied, we cannot be used for God's highest purpose. So brethren, our existence is to serve God. It's not to serve ourselves. It's not to satisfy a, that pleasure that we desire. You have been called out. And I pray God will give us that grace to stay pure in the mighty name of Jesus. Second point. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And this is very similar to point number one, but I'm approaching it from a different dimension. We, you and I, we have a divine responsibility to maintain a good health, okay? So that you and I will be able to serve God effectively. You have that responsibility to take care of your body. It is your responsibility. If you wear out your body, then there is no way you can use that same body to serve God. Okay? Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So, beloved, God is interested in your physical body. He's interested in your health. Now, third John chapter, uh, third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in earth even as your soul prosper. So the better a man's earth, the more thoroughly he can do the work of God. Have you been in an instance where you are sick and your best food is given to you? Have you been able to eat it the way you want to eat it? Yes? Anybody? Have you been in a, an instance where you are writing an exam and you are sick? Even though you know what the question is saying, have you been able to write to the best of your ability when you are sick? So for us as human beings, for God to use us for his highest purpose, he needs our physical body to be sound. If you have a sound mind, you have a sound spirit, and your body is not sound, there is a limit to what you can do. So we have that responsibility to keep our body um, healthy. And for somebody who fails to take care of their body, that is setting a early expiration date for that body. Somebody said again that uh, sickness may be allowed to chastise the healing or rebellious heart. But a Christian whose faith is firm and character established can ill afford to despise the inestimable blessing of a sound body. Functional and organic disorder proportionately lessen the capacity for thoughts, re resolution, and activity. So when your body is limited, there is a limit to what you can process in your thought. So you can grow intellectually, you can grow spiritually, but if you don't have that physical strength, there is no way you can pray for the sick and the sick will be healed. And when that body eventually stops growing, that is the end to that glorious destiny. There are men of God who labor 
in the place of prayer, in the place of fasting, and fail to take care of their body, then what happened? The body just decided to give up. No matter how much we can do, or we have the ability to do, and much God has destined us to do, we must take care of our body. And one way we can do this is to get proper rest. Now, I understand that it can be very difficult when you need to work, you need to make money, you need to study, you need to do all those things. Yes, but ensure that you allow time for rest. Remember, as an undergraduate student then, I, I, I would say to myself, during the semester, very few sleep. Okay? Study as much as I can, pray as much as I can, but I know that during the holidays, I have my time and then I go and rest. My wife is here. We, we attended the same uni. If you see my highball looking a bit um, white now, it was much more darker than this. Why? Because during that time, it is time to study. It is time to do everything, and then we take rest later. But then, does that mean that is the wisest way to go about it? I want to tell you this morning that for your body to last long as much as you want it to, you must get proper rest. Also, you must eat nutritious food. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, when I understood I would take this message, I was, <laughs> I was talking to my wife and I was like, am I really the best person to take this? Because sometimes, in terms of rest, for example, I can say, oh, once I'm driven by a goal, I need to achieve this, I need to complete this, I always go all in for it. That might mean reduced sleep. That might mean uh, even skipping meals. But again, the word of the Lord is coming to you and I that we must eat nutritious food. We must exercise regularly. <laughs> again, this is something that I seldom do. I know at some point I used to say to myself, oh, my form of exercise is walking. I can walk long distance. But now that I'm in the UK, I drive almost everywhere. And so that, that I, can, I, don't, I can no longer say that. But again, even though bodily exercise profits a little, we must engage in exercise to stay, to stay fit. And when you are feeling sick, brethren, it is good to lay your hands on yourself and say, I'm healed in Jesus' name, but also seek medical treatment. Don't stay in the room and start fasting when you are sick and say, God, heal me. God can heal you even without you fasting, even without you praying. When you need to seek medical treatment, please do. That's why we have brethren that are doctors and nurses, right? If you don't go to the hospital, who will they treat? Amen. So it is good to pray. God can heal you. I believe in divine healing. But at the same time, God has given us medical advances. You know, I've heard brothers and sisters say, oh, for 10 years I've not taken paracetamol. I cannot say that. Okay? Why? Because... I know that I, I believe in medical intervention. I'm a scientist. I'm an engineer. Okay? But at the same time, if your faith takes it, okay, go ahead. But when you know that this body needs that extra care, please give it to it. Lastly, take the Holy Communion. I remember sometimes ago when we were about to have our second child and we had some um, challenges then. I remember... My wife and I taking the communion virtually every night in prayer. Why? Because 
The communion is the body of Christ. The wine is his blood. It doesn't even have to be a wine. Sometimes water and biscuit is all we use. Because we believe that once you take it into your body, you're taking Christ's body, you're taking Christ's blood into your body, then anything that seems on, that is out of place must go back to the rightful place. Amen. So communion is another way you can take care of your physical body. The third point, which is the last point I will be making, is that we must use our body to glorify God. Can somebody remind me the first point? The first point, anybody? Keep our body pure. What of the second point? Our temple is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Okay, don't worry, I, I can ask that question, even though it's a sermon. No, I'm a lecturer, so I always try to gauge what you have done or what you have learned. The third point is we must glorify God with our body. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, the Bible says, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. First Corinthians 10, 31, Whether ye eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So brethren, in everything that we do, we must glorify God. And how can we glorify God is by having the right motive. Whatever you are doing, what is the motive behind it? Okay, if you are eating, why are you eating that food? Are you eating because you want to stay, uh, you need food, or you're hungry, or you are eating so that people will know that you can eat that food, or you have ability to buy that food? Whatever you are doing, the motive is very important. Remember the rich fool. He said to himself, oh, my soul, relax now. You have done so much. It is not a sin to expand your ban. It is not a sin to desire more qualification. It is not a sin to desire more degrees. No. But why are you doing that? Why? What is the reason? Are you doing it for the, because you want to give glory to God? Because you want to make a difference in the life of people? Or you want to do it because people can address you as that title? Praise God. And when somebody fails to call you that title, you'll be so hungry. Praise God. You know, I remember academics in Nigeria, for example, some of my, my, my teachers then, if you go, if they are professors and you say you are looking for Dr. X, Y, Z, they will say they don't know that person. But then you come to the UK, you, even your professor, you call him his first name, he will answer you. Praise God. If the reason why you desire that qualification, that title, is because you want people to know that you have arrived, then that is the wrong motive. A religious act done in a secular spirit is secular. A secular thing done in a religious spirit is religious. This is the great first principle of a Christian life. Yesterday I was listening to a podcast and it was about the cladding issues in um, all around the UK. I'm sure some of us have heard about the cladding issues after the Grenfell fire. Now, there are so many houses that are not fit for the fire standard, so they need to retrofit them. And then people have been campaigning for them to, uh, for government to support and for the developers to take responsibility. And somebody was interviewed and he said when he had to join the protest, he went to the front of his house, he knelt down and said, God, how much would you want me to do? This was a 
live radio interview. And he was saying, I'm a religious person. I knelt down and said, God, how much would you want me to do? And God said, how much do you want to do? And he said, as much as I can. And God said, go on. He was not saying, he was not saying he did it because he wants, uh, for any other reason. He said the reason why he was doing it was a clear instruction from God on live radio. Many of us, when we are having that opportunity to be interviewed on live radio, then we hide our Christianity. We don't want people to be against us, saying, oh, this person is a Christian, let them stay there. But I was so encouraged. That platform was given, and the person used it for the glory of God. If anyone is listening and don't even know about God, they have heard about God that day. So, brethren, we have been given that physical body, that ability to achieve well, that ability to make progress, use it for God's own glory. We can also glorify God in our service. So we are studying as students, you are working as a, as a worker, brethren, there is the place of excellence in service. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10, Bible says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in sure to which you are going. So brethren, we as Christians, we are on earth. And now that we are on earth, we must give God the glory using our service. If you are studying, excellence. If you are working, excellence. I know the day I got this revelation, it transformed my life. Now, during the Bible study last week, I mentioned that, oh, in my service to God, in my fellowship, I try, I give my best. In my academics, I give my best. And when I have, in Nigeria, they paste the result. When our final year result was pasted and someone saw that, oh, I graduated with a first class. The person was like, how is that possible? Even those that never believe that you can be a Christian and be an excellent person as well, they come to realize that it is indeed possible. So brethren, you can be excellent in your job. You can do your job excellently. And people will see that, wow, what is it? How do you do this? And you will say, it is God that gave me the grace. And that time, somebody will say, oh, I want to know this God. So you can be excellent. And that excellence will glorify God in your physical body. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the English Standard Version says, Whatever you do, do it utterly as for the Lord and not for men. Some of us, we are in a job that we are, we are overqualified for. Some of us are in a job that we don't even like to do. But when you do that job, are you doing it because I just have to do it? Or you are doing it because what I am doing here is for God? And when you labor in secret, that God that sees your secret labor will definitely reward you in the open. And when your success will become seen, people will not remember those times that you used to struggle, those times that you used to labor. So whatever you do, that which your hand is on doing at the moment, do it for the glory of God. The last point I will make here is that we must glorify God in our choice of clothing. For every one of us this morning, I believe before coming, we looked at the mirror, right? And when you look at the mirror, did you say, they will take in church today? 
you know, in, in Nigeria, there is this Yoruba word that say, ah, I, 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 some of us, most of us will not know, but the interpretation is, ah, when I get to church today, they will know that somebody has arrived. That is not the right motive. When you dress, dress for the glory of God. The Bible says you are the epistle that people read. When people see you, will they see that this is a Christian? No, I'm not saying you should wear tattoo neck, tight band, not look good. No, that's not what I'm saying. But when you do all your dressing, your makeup as sisters, as brothers, do it to the glory of God. Modesty is a key word. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. Bible says, I want also the woman to dress modestly and decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyle or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds, appropriate for women or men who profess to worship God. So we must worship God, give glory to God in our physical body through the way we dress and ensuring that people we see the good works that we do. Not that our dressing will distract people from actually seeing God. When you dress up, ask yourself, when somebody sees me, will they see any glory of God? Or have I become an instrument for the advancement of the kingdom of devil? In conclusion, no human not even God, man himself, that is Christ, skipped the growth and maturation process. And no true growth is one-dimensional. So, as we grow in our spiritual life, we enlarge our intellectual capacity, maybe in our studies, in our continuous um, professional development as a worker, in all those things, your physical body also needs to grow. And as you grow, I want you to know that you need to take responsibility for the good health that God has given to you. Take care of your body, and then you can be able to live longer to work for God. And as you live, do not lose sight of your creator. Your body must remain pure. Your body is a temple of God, and your body must be used to glorify God. And I pray that God will give us this grace in the name of Jesus. Let us rise up on our feet. If you are here today and you've never given your life to Christ, or you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, this is another opportunity. Or perhaps you have given your life to Christ and you know the way you have lived your life, the way you have used your body is not glorifying God, and you want to rededicate your life to Christ today. just want you to put your hands on your chest and just pray. Holy Spirit, please help me. In this body that you have given to me, help me to use it for your highest purpose. Pray that Lord will empower you to glorify God even in your members, in your physical bodies. And pray that the Lord will help you to take care of your body. That you will not give it to pleasure, sexual pleasure, sins, sexual immoralities outside the confine, the boundaries that God has defined. But God will give you that grace to love him, to serve him in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity again to share your word with your people. Lord, we pray that even as we continue to grow in perfect health, Lord, we pray that you help us to keep our body pure in the name of Jesus. Help us to be fit for your mass, for your use in the name of Jesus. 
Bible says in the great house there are many vessels and it says if anyone shall keep himself pure he will be fit for the master's use Lord we pray that every one of us here we will give ourselves to you and be fit for your use in the name of Jesus and help us even as we achieve excellence in our service excellence in our studies excellence in every way help us to give all the glory back to you in the mighty name of Jesus thank you Jesus for the answered prayer in Jesus mighty name we have prayed Amen